Hello, <laughs> welcome to the Overflow Podcast, um, where we have a very special guest today. Um, I'm going to say last but not least, we've got Pastor Ryan. Hey, Sally. Hey, Ryan. We've got Pastor Alex. Hello. We have Jeff Rogers here. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. <laughs> where we all just collectively learned that Jeff was at one time an auctioneer. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> we were going to leave that out. Auction yeah. is coffee. <laughs> 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 So everything you just said, did that really mean something? Yeah, I was going to say, are those actual words? Yes, I mean, there's there are numbers in, and then you fill it with syllables, but and you're trying to promote the next number. So like preaching, you talk about the immediate, but you're trying to sell the future. Oh, very good. A lot like preaching. Like hope. Right up there with it. Yeah, gotcha. I don't know on a biblical scale. We'll see one day. I'm not shocked that you did something that involved your voice. Anytime we've talked about doing some sort of, and you've done this for us before, I think, right. um, a voiceover. Anytime we talk about, we just need like good, powerful voice. It's oh, like, Jeff Rogers. Top of the list is always Jeff Rogers. You have a voice. great voice, Jeff. We love He it. did the thing at um, Christmas, Christmas Eve. Yeah. yeah. Can so you say you prepare the way? Oh, yeah. <laughs> prepare the way. No, don't say it because I'll cry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, instant tears. Jeff, we're so happy to have you. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank yes, you. I'm glad to be here. Um, a long time. Yeah. Well, thank you for also sharing your story. Um, super powerful. I mean, um, it's one of those that, you know, we've talked about the different types of miracles that people can experience. Mm-hmm. And um, yours is definitely one of those that it makes you just look at the Lord and wonder. And oh, something also yeah. as, as far as, um, you know, Alex, you talk about this a lot, the mysteries of God, like, mm-hmm. and we will try to explain things away in our brain a lot. And then there's some things that you have to say that's a mystery and I don't know mm-hmm. how it happened or why it yeah. happened or anything like that, but the Lord did it. And yeah. um, so it just brings a lot of honestly glory to him. And I well, think about that too. If we had a God that we could explain all the time, I don't think we'd like that very much either. We you know, talked we about that last we week. That, yeah. You would stop searching. Yes. Yeah. You would, it would end right at the moment you understood it all. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No Speaking my language. Exactly. <laughs> There'd be no more reason to look. Yeah. So it's so good to have a God who creates wonder in us. And one, one thing I thought about this morning and, and during my walk, I'm, I'm just, and I, and I gave thanks that, you know, you loved me when I didn't love you. Mm. And, um, for many years and I can't explain that, but, he did love me when I didn't love him back. I love that, yeah. Jeff. That's probably a lot of people's story. And it, when oh, we yeah. all look back, you're like, man, yeah. he really did love me before I ever even knew, acknowledged, or loved him. Yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. Well, Jeff, we heard about your story. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because we did kind of headhunt people um, for these stories just based on stories that we had heard. And I actually want to say that I would, I would even venture to say that this spiraled, this series may have spiraled out of, I think Alex you're right. hearing Jeff's right. story. Yep. And then we just started hearing more stories, but it really started with that. So Alex came and was like, Guilty. Have, he said, I think, have y'all heard Jeff's story? Because you had just heard it yeah. at the Institute. So sorry, right? bro. Yeah. Tell <laughs> yeah. <us>. yeah. <clears throat> I knew who to blame right away. Was, uh, <laughs> Tell us how that went down. So, yeah, my apologies, Jeff. Don't punch and it was me. in a small group setting, so they set me up. I yeah. Did, yeah. Did they, said, so, hey, they small, said, this is a safe space. Small, and then it small promotion. Yeah. To, <laughs> and now he's in front of the church. Yeah. yeah. I would say small promotion to uh, the Institute in which we have at our church. Yeah. Um, has been promoted a lot because it's four semesters and we're in some, we're about to enter semester four. So probably at the end of the semester we'll promote it again. Yeah. But great class. Yes, it's been great it's been class. amazing. So like truly, it, what, it's like a two year class. Yeah, honestly. it's like a, yeah, basically. And it, you dig into God's word, it's like a mini seminary slash, yeah, you know, like yeah. it's really awesome. So, um, uh, long story short, like, like this is where I'm apologizing to Jeff. There was this one particular night where we're supposed to like kind of share a little bit of our story. And Jeff and his vulnerability and transparency with men like shared a story with like four or five of us. And I was the whole time I'm just like in awe. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no way is <laughs> no this, way. No, no way. way is this uh, incredible, beautiful story about the Lord's just running after Jeff, you yeah. know, um, chasing, chasing. Mm-hmm. Him. And so the next day, <laughs> like I was like with the staff. And I was like, have y'all heard just a little bit of this story? And then, yeah, like House of Miracles kind of spiraled into just this this idea. Yeah. Now, the title House of Miracles hadn't come up yet. I, don't, right. I can't no, remember the timeline, but it was just like we just kept having these like stories upon stories. And Jeff is definitely one of those where yet again, it's not that we're trying to um, 
how would you say like uh pick on me no not pick on you <laughs> but more like single me out the whole like the whole idea of miracles is like only god yes you know what i'm saying yeah. it's these things that only god there's no way to really explain it but god you know yes. and so um that's that's where that came from and um we're here now but you yeah. know what what always and, and has struck me in the last few weeks and preparing my mind you know i didn't prepare a speech but um is that you know it, it all of the excuses and the reasons that you make for things that happen in your life along the way to getting to the realization that it's god yeah mm-hmm. and the biggest mistake that i always made for years and years and years and and i'll tell you you know mm-hmm. when, when we start I, i'd left home at a very early age mm-hmm. and um I was I was an I person. I did this. I did that. I was alone a lot, and so I became an I individual, mm. and I took credit for everything. Mm. And it took wow. twenty years plus to realize that you know I did nothing. Mm. But it 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 took a long time. It took a road wow. to. So to I'm curious that. about something. So when was it? I mean, your whole life. Not just talking about the story right. you shared on Sunday. But your whole life, when was it the first time that you felt or recognized that there's more to this life than just what we see, that there is a higher power? Like, can you remember? Early, when I was a child, my, my parents were together when I was, when I was young. Mm-hmm. And my mom would take us to church. My dad was a non-believer. And mother was from, a, you know, she was from a church background family. And we would go to church and we would go to revivals and we would go to... Uh, vacation Bible schools mm-hmm. and we would do, you know, the, the plays and the programs. And I always, that was the happy place to be in my childhood because everybody wow. got along. Yeah. Then when we were home, it came off of a rail, but, wow. but so I knew that in that setting, there was happiness and there was mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. And even though I couldn't understand it and we didn't take it home, I knew that I knew that it was in that house. Yeah. And then as I went through high school, I, kind of came out of those beliefs still knew that it was there mm-hmm. but it wasn't a part of my life and it didn't become a part of my life until early 30s wow yeah full part yeah. that's what's amazing about when we talk about foundations mm-hmm. you know and you hear a lot well i don't want to force my kids to go to church mm-hmm. right well my dad was a pastor and forced me to go to church yeah, thank and god I, I had a that's what I'm, right yeah thank god for some reason and you even just said it. You, you didn't really know, maybe understand, but you felt mm-hmm. the presence. You knew he was in that house. You know, and I it, knew there was something better. Mm-hmm. Yes. I knew that it, it wasn't around alcohol. I knew that it wasn't. I, I, I heard in going to church that there was something that loved you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I knew I didn't have that at home. Wow. And I knew mm-hmm. that, well, okay, well, that's what at least what they say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was there, I was in church. My parents split up finally when I was like nine. So I was exposed to it till around nine, maybe 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there was love there. And I think that's what stuck in my head. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I remember in your story, you mentioned just that you would drive home a lot of times when you shouldn't have been driving. And, and it's like almost time, most of the times you're like, all right, God, just get me home this time. Mm-hmm. And I won't, do, oh, you know. It was, it was definitely prayer of convenience um, yeah mm-hmm. you know but i will never do it again if you'll get me by i know don't let me get stopped or don't mm-hmm. you know don't this this the, you know just all the you give me this and i'll give you that mm-hmm. and then yeah you know the next day it was it was just it right was, back at it, it again right yeah. back at but it what's again. amazing is in our sin we still experience grace you you bring us up a lot just common grace is yes. that what how do you say that yeah is that that, what that's, the word that's you said? what it is it's it just, no matter what because we are here and this is the lord's creation we experience his grace, yes. like his presence is here in the earth. Yeah. Um, so we get to experience even blessings, things that we don't deserve, even when we're not close to him, even when we have either turned away yep. or don't acknowledge him. Even people who will outwardly say there is no God, yep. they experience God they every have his single grace. day. Yep. Um, and I'm not making an excuse, an excuse, go ahead and do it because you, you get no, experience yeah. grace. But I'm just saying like even in our, like you said, even when we didn't love him, mm-hmm. he still loves us and shows us his grace. Mm-hmm. You know, and so many times in my life, they're different things too. Wow. If if I didn't experience his grace, even when I didn't need it or deserve it or even care about it, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Well, luckily, it, it, you know, and, and, it, and it goes back to, to early days. I knew to pray mm-hmm. and I knew how to pray from my mom, mm-hmm. you know, having us in church. And I can remember, you know, times when, when I was fifth grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, 12, 12 and 13, Little League ball and that. 
and my, my parents were divorced. And my dad had tried to kill me at one time. And nice. I remember I would go home, you know, some nights, and there was bushes that surrounded the one end of the house where the bedrooms were. And I would lay in those bushes at night and wait and make sure that he was passed out. Oh, my gosh. And I knew that it was safe, you know, to go inside and lay down and go to sleep. And I can remember praying, laying in those bushes. I can remember, you know, I would know what time school was starting and what time the bus would run and uh, what I had to do. And just, you know, I, I can remember those days of anxiety and knowing that, um, you know, I, I would offer up a prayer and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then at some point go in the house, lay down and go to sleep and get up and go, you know, do it all again. But I, I you know, at, at least I knew that there was someone that I could go to in prayer. And mm-hmm. then after I'd left home and, uh, you know, I got, got involved with some folks that, um, you know, took me in and, it, it was just, it was not a good environment. Yeah. It was, um, you know, there was a lot of drugs. There was a lot of alcohol. There was a lot of violence, guns. I'd been in two shootings by the time I was 18 years old, shot oh. and shot at. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I, I can just remember, you know, that I knew to pray, but then I would go right back. I would mm-hmm. go right back, you know, to, to doing because that was that was my acceptance. And then also... You know, I'd put myself in an environment that, you know, I'd, I'd gotten a little older and gotten a little bigger, and, and if you were confronted, you could fight back mm-hmm. at that time, and it was okay. And then I had people on my side that would fight with me, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it just kind of went off went off the rail like that. And I, at that point, by 16, I pretty well totally walked away from church, belief, everything that I knew to be godly and good, mm-hmm. and had delved into a world of where I was accepted and and not none of those guys really told me that they loved me, but they accepted me and they didn't right. beat on me yeah. and they didn't beat me down. Yeah. And I stayed in school and, and I always played sports and, and you know, the, the folks that I live with that they had never done that. And I think they lived part of their life through me and they made sure that I went to school and they made sure I played sports. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was just, it was not an environment that you want a, a small kid and by the time I was a little between 16 and 17, um, I'd been arrested and I w- I'd gone to jail. Wow. And basically was given a choice that I could uh, either go and live with my mother, who by then had, had married a, a pretty wealthy man in Charlotte, mm-hmm. and, uh, or I could go to reform school. I could go wow. to juvenile. So being a smart guy, well, I said, well, heck, I'll go, I'll go live down here. And uh, so the mountain guy moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You talk about an explosion. So where are you from? How about there, yeah. We're up around, well, born in Black Mountain. Okay, and yeah. And up around Rutherford and Forest City and uh-huh. Shelby. But we were in Forest City at that time, up in North Carolina. Hmm. Too familiar with Forest City. Yeah. Let's move on. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it suits me fine, bro. <laughs> no, no. It was just, you know, Jeff Rogers was running them streets. Yeah, a lot, a lot <laughs> Forest of Forest City. A lot of, a lot of good men. There was good memories. Yeah. Um, but there, you know, I mean, there was some, mm-hmm. there, there was some horror stories. I remember one time. I believe I shared this with Alex. That you know, when you you talk about how your life gets, I won a superlative at school, and. My clothes were so bad that the girl I won the superlative with, her mother made me stand behind a sign. No way. I never got over that. I still uh, remember her name. Uh-huh. I remember her mother's name. <laughs> Motivation, <laughs> man. Their dog. I know where they live. What was the superlative? I was most popular. Oh, look oh. at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> well, yeah, it didn't last long. But, um, yeah, that was, I want to say like eighth grade. the story, even just like that age and stage of life or just in general, that community is so is so important and Mm -hmm. that's why you like this is just a note for the church that people will find community somewhere and even if it's unhealthy if they feel loved and welcome and seen and taken care of they'll stay there we have to be we we Mm -hmm. should be yes the most loving gracious Mm -hmm. like this should be people's safe place when they come home before being judgmental we should be acceptable yeah way before being judgmental because and, and i tell people as far as their children go, either mm-hmm. you tell them you love them and you accept them because somebody else will. Yes. And that person may not be a good person. Wow. 
Um, mm. That's powerful. I was about to say that's the power of love mm-hmm. right there. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. And especially when you've never yeah. really experienced mm-hmm. it. And, well, and I mean, then the you'll put your that, identity in that. The guys that loved me, I, I was involved in taking a bullet for them. Wow. And they never told me they loved me, but they accepted me. Yeah. But yeah. They wow. put me in the group and they didn't, you know, mentally abuse me or physically abuse yeah. me or, or, you know, they, they accepted me and they allowed me in and I was willing to, I was willing to take a bullet for them. Yeah. Wow. And they were thug people. Yeah. I mean, they were, you know, a lot of them are dead today and they, they would tell you they were not good people. Wow. Wow. Well, that's powerful stuff. So then, so then you moved to Charlotte. Then I moved to Charlotte and I kept one foot in, in back in the mountains and I would, I would go back and forth and then finally, you know, I just, I don't know, it, it waned. I guess I met a girl in Charlotte mm-hmm. and I quit going back to the mountains and, um, I did quit doing, you know, stuff with the, the folks that I used to run mm-hmm. around with and, um, you know, got wasn't into drugs and mm-hmm. I was into sports pretty big by then. But we still drank and we still partied yeah. and did, you know, the normal high school stuff just with a little more, little, little, little more than it should have been. Yeah. Um, and then in about, well, when I graduated high school, decided not to go to college, didn't, wasn't college material, wasn't really high school material, I landed a job um, with a company. They were in the concrete business and mm-hmm. I'd kind of grown up around the concrete business and... Um, I went to work for those guys, and then in the late 70s, um, I went to a convention in Atlanta, and I met a team that was owned by a group of NFL football players, and they were putting together a group to go and do some construction out west, Mm -hmm. and I signed up and went to work for them, and um, went to work for a company. And then later on, one of the players bought the company out, and I went to work for him, and worked in the Midwest for him for for a good many years. Yeah. And it was they were great people, but it was not a good life for an impressionable twenty-year-old kid from mm-hmm. the mountains that had never been anywhere. Yeah, still fast, searching for love and acceptance. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and it was a fast life. Yeah. It was very, very um, fast-paced. And high living mm-hmm. and you know you you were excluded from the fact that these people had made all this money in NFL sports mm-hmm. that you saw them in this business you were in and you were you know doing all these big things and by the time I was 21 I had I had three company vehicles and parked in different cities and I would fly city to city and, and actually ran part of the company by the time I was 22 years old for, wow. for the major investor and uh, he and his wife just they didn't have they had a daughter and they liked me a lot and mm-hmm. uh, they sent me all over the country all over the world and I just thought that everybody lived that way wow and it was uh, it was an impressionable life it, yeah it, it, reality never even entered into it it mm-hmm. was just I thought everybody had three cars and I thought everybody mm-hmm. made big money and yeah. I thought everybody flew you know, everywhere. And, yep. it, and it, and along the way, if it was one of those, it was a job that you, there was unlimited amount of time you could work. Wow. You could go from one to the next and we would try to see how many hours we could outwork each other. Wow. The most I ever worked in one week was 118 hours. And we would, how is that possible? <laughs> it's drugs. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, yeah. it was, you know, you, you took things to help you stay awake. Yeah. And, um, we would do that and then it would get to the weekend and we would drink and take something else to help you be able to go to sleep to go back and do it the next mm-hmm. week and you made great money but you were working you know 80 hours a week was an average week it yeah. was not uncommon and we were good at it and when we would go into an area they did really big projects and and a lot of what they specialized in were map pours which are the massive foundations for high-rise buildings. Mm-hmm. So you would go in and you would pour this massive foundation that, you know, it would be seven or 8,000 yards of concrete. You would shut down streets. It would involve 100 trucks and three or 400 people and traffic protection. And I yeah. mean, you would just, the whole city would stop while you did this. And it it was very impressionable. Wow. Um, and I, and I, I just, I got caught up in it and I got really good at it. Mm-hmm. and. 
So that was my acceptance. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. my alcohol and everything, drugs at that point, or you know what we did was was to work. It wasn't a recreational thing. We weren't hanging out in bars. We were hanging out on job sites. Yeah. But we were doing speed and different that's things. That's that's a to, brand new concept to, to me. Just like you just you, you even saying that that oh, it's no, not for recreate it's not yeah. recreational but it was literally to work I mean, not saying that we didn't go out right, I right, mean, right. we did we, you yeah. know, we were in vegas we were in albuquerque yeah. we were in dallas yeah we went out and partied but yeah. the biggest the biggest thing was to to work wow. and you just thought man if i just do this i got a sharper edge and mm. i can put in one more shift and yeah i'll have that and then i'll be on double overtime and then you know it gets to the point you don't even think about the money you just you just think about the day and what all you get involved in. That's funny that even that, because I feel like I've seen that in just people in life too, that that in and of itself can become such an addiction. The thinking like that, the double over time, the like well, getting as much as possible. Workaholism, mm-hmm. and I, I'm still, I don't suffer from it today mm-hmm. because I'm so far back, yeah. but workaholism forgives a lot of sins of alcoholism and wow. drug addiction and painful past and broken marriages and broken homes. Mm-hmm. It forgives it all because now I have a reason to mm-hmm. do everything I do wow. because I work hard. Yeah. I deserve it. Yeah. This is my reward. And you don't, you're at that Gosh, point, man. you're not stopping because you, when you become a workaholic, you're not stopping to say, thank you for letting me do this. You're spurring your own self on. Wow. You're at that point. Your own cheerleader, your yeah. own drum, mm-hmm. your own band, everything. You're yourself. Your own God. Oh, you're a pinnacle yeah. and you're yeah. at the top, but wow. you're the base. I was going to say, wow. it's so, the enemy uh-huh. is so crafty in oh, how he works. Oh, it, and it, it recognizes everything you need mm-hmm. to put you at the top of your list. The The devil in my life and, and you know, evil was never the top something that I sought after. Acceptance by other people. And success in me was at the top. Evil just knew how to put me there. Yeah. Evil didn't say, Man. okay, well, I oh want you to God. bow down to the devil. No, I want you to bow down to yourself. Yeah. You can worship yourself. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Worship yourself. Work 100 hours. Leave your family. Worship yourself. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's good. It, it just it Because then in the back of the mind, you, oh, you yeah. still convince yourself you're doing it for them. Self-justification. Yeah. Yep. yep. Self-justification. So Man. when you were... I guess in the midst of whatever it was, whether it was super dark times or even just like you felt like you were thriving. Did you ever, did you ever think about God? Did you ever have any kind of, I don't want to say like conviction, but did you ever think like, oh, I missed this or were there any thoughts about God at all? Or do or, or was it a total separation? During like this time. Yeah. It was total separation. Oh, for probably another 10 years. Mm-hmm. By the, I, I was in my early twenties to when I was 25. The, we were working for a company out of Germany, and they were we were working in conjunction with them on a project in Texas, and they were leaving there to come to the Carolinas to mm-hmm. do an underwater uh, facility for yeah. deep power, and they needed someone you know to to pour the concrete. And long story short, uh, I worked a uh, proposal with them. I got the contract, and the player, the the guy from the NFL, I went to him, and he and his wife decided to help me start my own company. Wow. So there, you know, another hurdle. Boy, yeah. here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was no. It just it just put Jeff on up the line of serving Jeff. Yeah. It, it no. Wow. Was there ever any conscious decision not to think like? Was there ever a point? Did you ever have thoughts like I don't like actual thoughts of I don't need God. I don't or like you or, fought it off. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because I, I I do always wonder how people when they turn away is there or is it just you. He was just not a thought at all. It's like maybe that was just for kids stuff. That was just when I was a child. Or you think you just drifted, or was there ever I think a conscious I just, decision? I drifted. I mean, it, by then it was it was um, food. It was food table God. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you for mm-hmm. this food, Amen. Yeah. It, it was you know convenient. Yeah. Okay. But I did not step foot back in church, and I knew the path that I was on was not right, mm. but it didn't deter me because... So there was a that little was Isaiah, something. Yeah. Oh, I wow. had a conscience. Right. A conscience. In all of that, in, in all of the things, like, you know, I was never a thief. I never stole. Yeah. I never... I, I didn't... I mean, you're you're rationalizing, but there, there was always a conscious yeah. decision of, you know, right and wrong, mm-hmm. and 
beyond being wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, you never beat puppies, but yeah, you know, just yeah, there there was always a <laughs> Ryan. That was, <laughs> that was a random one. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I knew people that beat puppies. Yeah, yeah. Then, so, you know, <laughs> you're, you're around people that'll beat a puppy. So, um, yeah, you know, I, there was a lot of things that were done that I was exposed to that I didn't do. So right. I was okay. Yeah. yeah. And I worked. So, okay. And a yeah. lot of the people that I ran around with back in those days prior, I mean, they didn't, their work was, you know, selling drugs or mm -hmm. selling guns or, you know, doing other things. They didn't work. They'd sleep at 10 o'clock. I was up at 2 a.m. going to work, get home 10 p.m. I mean, so I had, I had, I had all of that. So I came back at, by then I'm 25. So I come back. To <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm about to laugh just because, I'm the most vanilla human, like never, I just stayed in a little box. You know so much more about life than I'll probably ever know. <laughs> I just feel like you just know a lot about life. Uh, anyway, okay, life, keep going. Life will teach you. So I, so I came back to the Carolinas. Now, by this time, I'm married. And um, I come back to the Carolinas with a wife and a child. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, do the work in the, up in the mountains and things are going along pretty good by then. Power plant construction has kind of died off. We decided, or I decided to go into the commercial industry mm -hmm. and, and just ended up staying in Charlotte. Kind of tired of traveling around the country mm -hmm. and sleeping in motels. And so we stayed in Charlotte and got the business, you know, really going. And um, But still by then, you know, I was drinking with the employees, hanging out after work with the employees, um, you know, traveling, doing things that, that had no business doing, mm -hmm. but was just the extreme workaholic. Um, I can remember I had an office and, and some of these things, you know, you never get over and, and thank God my, my child has gotten over it and forgive mm -hmm. me, but I had an office at home and I can remember my little four-year-old coming in one day and she was trying to get up on my lap and I was on the phone and I, you know, carried her in and handed her a mom and I said, get her out of here. I'm trying to do business. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and mm -hmm. you never get over that. You mm -hmm. never get those back. Um, so fast forward, just, you know, a little bit more things are going you know, okay in Charlotte, and um, I, I'm doing a big job at, at Charlotte Airport, and then Hurricane Hugo hit. Oh, wow, yeah. And by then, um, you know, infidelity in the marriage had, had started. Mm -hmm. And um, so that year, the the economy had kind of slowed down a little bit. Hugo slowed things mm -hmm. down. It, it hit in September, which was going right into winter. A lot of the jobs that we had shut down for about 90 days. Wow. I mean, it, it destroyed a lot, a lot of the infrastructure around mm -hmm. the airport. And their their thought process was to get flights going more than build the building. We were right. Building. So it got put on hold. So I got ran into financial difficulty. And then within a year, I'd shut my business down. My wife had left me and took my only child. I had sold my home and Every vehicle I had, I'd given back to the banks and the lending institutions and had let every employee I had go. Wow. Moved out of my office and shut everything down Jeez. all within one year. That's insane. Mm. But I was still wide open. Yeah. Still wide open with nowhere to go. Yeah. Then I moved back. I couldn't. I sold my house and I moved to Rock Hill and... That was the story I shared with you mm -hmm. guys. I was working. I went immediately went right back into business mm -hmm. in another facet of the business. I'd grown up in the labor end and kind of always looked down on, on it and looked to the equipment end that I, I'd been involved in. It was, you know, more, I don't know, it, it was just more glitzy and mm -hmm. glamour. And the labor end was, you know, it was just, it was labor. It wasn't yeah. glitzy mm -hmm. and glamorous. Yeah. Um, but without money... You know, I, I had to go back in the labor. Yeah. And I, um, so that's what I did. And then I had a couple of side jobs. That's where the auctioneering came from. Oh, gotcha, yeah. I announced rodeos and did uh -huh. did things and just, you know, to make a living. But by then I was I was still working, but I was I couldn't afford drugs anymore. And I was really drinking. Mm -hmm. I was drinking every day. Yeah. Every day. Wow. And um, I wrecked three times in a year. Wow. Total loss wrecks. Drunk. You think that was just to numb 
pain, depression, sadness. It just it gives you a feeling of acceptability because you you can just you can wrap your head around the way you're feeling at the time, and you're not. I wasn't a drinker, thinker about what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm just a drinker. Okay, I feel better now. Let's have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just it's just an escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it numbs yeah, yeah it, it numbs you out. Mm-hmm. And by then, this point, God's nowhere in my life mm. until the night I ran off into the pond on yeah. the way home. Yeah. So that this is this is where that led to the story you shared. Right. Okay. So here's I was I was holding this question because here's this is what fascinated me in your well a lot of things fascinated me in your whole story just the the overall thing but if you could pick out one detail that you just can't get out of your head from that night specifically what would it be could be a vision could be a sight could be a thought. The clouds going by the moon mm. is the most vivid thing that I ever remember in my life because at, at this point, I hadn't set foot in the church in 10 years. Mm. But when I got back to the bank, and the whole time I was trying to get to the bank, I could see the clouds going by the moon like streaks. They weren't mm. clouds. They were like streaks of mm-hmm. lightning. But then when I got to the bank, the last cloud, and it was almost like a cartoon. It, it's like it came to the moon and paused and then went through the moon and covered it. And I knew at that moment mm-hmm. in my soul what had just happened. Was it a voice that boomed out of the clouds? No. But was it a voice in my heart? Yes. And it said, I am done. Mm-hmm. And going back to the day that I used to sleep in the bushes outside my dad's bedroom window, I never felt more alone in my life than right then. I knew it was my last prayer of getting home safely. And I knew that the one thing that had put me where I was I knew that it was gone. I knew it. I mean, I, I, I didn't. I didn't question. I didn't. I knew. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew. And then, as I started walking, all of a sudden, when I realized I was dry, I got scared to death. Yeah. I mean, I just. I died because I could remember trying to pick my feet up out of the muddy water, the silt, and then all of a sudden, my, I don't have mud. I don't have water. <laughs> My pants aren't wet. My shirt. Wow. I, I ran home. I mean, I, I think I made it back to the house, and I, I don't even know if my feet touched the ground. <laughs> so then the next day, I got up. And, I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't remember if I slept or not. But I went and found an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I went through the phone book. There was one a mile from where we were at. I walked in and, you know, just told them what was going on and, and – now, I wasn't a wake up and get drunk drunk, mm-hmm. but by the end of the day, and I wasn't a drunk drunk, but I was, it was just way too much, right. way yeah. too much. It had gotten way too easy. And, um, well, so and I, I went, talked to some folks and got some help. And one of the biggest recommendations, one of the guys told me, he said, man, do you go to church? And I said, no, I hadn't been to church in years. He said, find you a good church. Mm. So I started looking around, and I found a, a church out in the countryside, a preacher named Rick Sturgis died this year. Mm-hmm. He was a cowboy preacher. Everybody talked about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started going to church out there and listening to his message, and it, it kind of got ingrained in me. And I was going to a AA meeting every day, and we prayed there. And, and all of a sudden, prayer and God started coming back into my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this pastor, he, he was uh, – I mean, he was just a straight from the heart, probably never went to school. Mm-hmm. I, I, he may have, but he just didn't look like the mm-hmm. school type. Um, but he just really touched on my heart with, mm-hmm. with common sense every day. Mm-hmm. You know, you love the Lord? Well, he loves you. Yeah. Do you do for the Lord? He does for you. And, and slowly I started adding things up. And wow. I started, you know, looking back. And and for, for weeks, maybe even months, it, it, it was like, yeah, I know 
he might have done this. But I I work 100 hours. I get – so I started, you know, like taking more credit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I'd quit drinking. And, and the fog, you know, after 30 days and 60 days was lifted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just seeing more and more. And I would get a little God over here, and then I'd go to church, and I'd get a little bit more God. And, uh, you know, it just it – just, slowly slowly started coming back yeah and, and i'd started you know back in business and it you know started coming back up mm-hmm. you know landed more jobs and doing more work and you know things were, were kind of coming back together a yeah. little bit still didn't have anywhere to live um still didn't have a decent car i'd borrowed a pickup truck from a friend of mine I was living with a friend of mine and you know basically just just starting over again yeah there <laughs> <laughs> i'm like just i know i'm, I'm, I'm like, in bro <laughs> let me up. okay well yeah. take a breath because in case uh whoever's listening wasn't there on sunday let me just give a brief um the brief story about the main thing that we highlighted so it was go back you were uh driving in a truck you know you crashed into a pond right it didn't go all the way over the truck you were able to g- basically get out a window went, went up to the driver's to the about the handle on the driver's side door. Okay, yeah. I couldn't get the door open. Yeah. Now, were you this size when you climbed out that window? <laughs> no, I was about a buck 70. Okay, yeah. I was about 50 pounds lighter. Uh, but yeah, so you got out the window. And it's all muscle, by the way, so don't hear me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but uh, then you started. So you got what you, what you were talking about when you were dry. So you're actually in the water at this point. Yeah, I had to go out the window. I couldn't crawl out. So I slid over in the seat and went out feet first. Mm-hmm. And landed beside of it with my back to the truck. So I, okay, I, yeah. had, to, I had to do the Dukes of Hazard over <laughs> the window yeah. in reverse thing. Uh, uh, then, well, I want to know what happened to the truck. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Wait, let me. So you're in the water at this point, feet in the mud, as everybody knows. So you're crawling out. And that's when you said, if you remember, the bank was, the water was lower than the, than the top. So you kind of crawled out and it was almost eye level with the moon. Well, you're looking up. You're yeah, okay, time. you're right. Yeah, it's a, just picture of farm ponds, what it was. And you got to, bank and it just you know dropped off uh-huh. so that's when you were able to see the moon yeah the, the whole time the cloud yeah, yeah all that and that's where all that came oh, from and then what you said on the video is you started oh. walking back and then that's when you noticed i'm just completely dry yeah and so after the last when i once i got into the road and once when i looked up the final time and i was standing in the grass at the edge of the road and i was looking at the moon the last cloud came up and then went by and covered yeah, wow. and that's when I just felt a hole in my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and as I started walking, uh-huh. as I'm walking along, I'm starting to look, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, I'm dry." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I knew God was gone, but maybe not completely. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I knew yeah. I was. I knew there was a Chevrolet Silverado sitting <laughs> nose first in a farm pond mm-hmm. that I'd crawled out of, and now I'm dry. I'm probably still drunk. I hadn't processed all this. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. But so can I ask, and you might mm-hmm. not have an answer, and that's fine. What then, what went to your mind when you realized I'm dry? Like, what was it? Oh, I was scared to death. I was frightened. Because that's where frightened. I, like, like because, to make a connection, is it like, did, did that have a significance? Was it just, that's just the power of God? Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Did it connect to something where it's like, I, I don't know. It shook me enough to the core to not pick alcohol back up. <laughs> wow. So yeah. I knew. Can I say something? Yeah. All right. So I I think we can all agree, like, when you felt in your heart the voice of God say, I'm done, like, the perspective is, like, you know, he's, quote, unquote, done with you. But what I felt, at least for me, and this is just a different take, was it's almost as if the Lord's like, I'm done in the sense of I'm done doing whatever I needed to do from that point in your life mm-hmm. yeah. to where he's telling you now it's time. And, you know, like I, I love you, that. you get yes. what I'm saying? Yes. Like meaning he did the work in order for you to something click in your mind yeah. and say, no more alcohol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's almost like when Jesus is on the cross, it's like, it is finished. Right. It's like, yeah. I've done everything I've needed to do to make this ministry continue for the next thousands and thousands of years. That's so good. I, that's the way that's, how I felt when I realized I was dry. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's what I just said a minute ago. It's it's like when I knew that he was gone, he was done, 
And then all of a sudden I'm dry. It's like, well, maybe he's not all the way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It gave me, and I didn't sit there in the road and cry and weep and lay down and beg for forgiveness. No, I didn't. Mm -hmm. It scared me. Mm -hmm. But later on and looking back over the weeks ahead, yeah, I knew it was like, don't come to me and pray to get home anymore. You follow me now. Oh, my gosh. Because then I realized that, you know, I tell people all the time, you're going to go to your knees in your life. One way or the other. Yeah. Either you're going to go or he's going to put you there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you're going to go to your knees. And at my very bottom, when I hit the very bottom and I looked over, the only place the person that was there was Jesus. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't go no further. And he went and he sat back up on that bank. And wow. he told me, you follow me now. And that's what I did. Wow. I went and I was able to lay stuff down. I still hadn't wrapped my head around mm-hmm. yet, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm healed. Hallelujah. Yeah. But the the work had started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- now that's huge. First off, I got goosebumps. No, no, that's crazy. Seriously. But I think that's huge because we have in our minds, oh well, I think a lot of people that man, the moment something like this happens in our life, boom, I'm completely healed. I'm done. I'm all on the way. But it still took, like you said, processing. It took you, and we're gonna highlight this. I highlight this on Sunday, doing the work. You recognize the sign. Then you started taking steps, and then a little along, the Lord kept pulling you and drawing you and drawing you, and and that's where you ended up. Mm-hmm. I mean that we we, we got to understand Come it on. takes work. Yes. Now oh. Jesus shows us; He will reveal Himself to us, but he, you know He we have to to buy in. I mm-hmm. guess is the right way to say that. Mm-hmm. And and that's so true because Satan never let go. When I started down that road and I was dry, the devil didn't walk the other way. No, that's right. No, he went and found another way, mm-hmm. and then he'll find another way, and he'll yeah. find another way. Wow. Um, but at, at, going back to your question, at that point, yeah, it, it wasn't mm-hmm. like God said, I'm done, I'm finished, see you later, going to hell. Mm-hmm. It, but he was like, now you follow me. Yeah. I've put in, by this time, 31 years, mm-hmm. you follow me now. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. So Sally had a very interesting question. What happened to the truck? <laughs> so we, a friend of mine came and helped me. Uh, and fish it out. We drug it out and got it cleaned off. And wow, because it was someone else's truck. Oh yeah. And, uh, oh dear. Yeah, we, oh dear. We, yeah, we got it out. Yeah. And, uh, wow. Overnight though, it sat there overnight, didn't it? Or, didn't well, but it? now this was three, four. Is this was way early in the morning? Oh, okay. the day's the morning. starting, yeah. bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't one of those. Christian yeah. runs go home at 930. 930 no, man. No, 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 no. Cut on one of them them shows like a veggie tales so you can repent. Yeah. Oh yeah. My yeah. God. Yeah. And it's just man. amazing. So yeah, it wasn't I mean, going going back to your point, it, it's not for me. Now it may be for some people, right. I'm sure it is. But it wasn't um, hit your knees, thank you, Lord, I'm healed. Here we go. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm gonna tithe and live the rest of my life. And yeah. Here we go. No, I had to learn a few more lessons along the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had to be shown a few it's more a process. Lessons. It is process. It, it's a process. Mm. So it's when process. then, all right, you know, I'll, I'll stop. But this is just You're so good. intriguing to me. So that was then, you know, you kind of mentioned you kind of went to AA, then you got involved in a church and all that. So when did you when would you say, yes, I committed my life to the Lord? He 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 get, he saved me. I repented. Oh, it was it was probably years before I repented, <clears throat> but in serving and, and what so what happened after that? I was going to a church. Literally, I would leave my house, go out Eastview Road in Rock Hill. Dead ends at 324. You take a right and go 1.7 miles. And the church was there on the left. And that's where I'd go every mm-hmm. Sunday. About three miles. So I was doing some auctioneering work with a with a guy out in the countryside in Chester County, mm-hmm. and just you know trying to help pay bills. I was working three jobs by then, and um, so I got to that stop sign that one Sunday morning, and just instantly, instead of going to the right to go to the church I'd been going to for about six weeks, something just popped in my head, and I said, "I'm going to drive over to Edgemore." and go to church with Bo this morning. Now, I'm probably going to be late because that's 17 miles yeah. the other way. Mm-hmm. I've never been to that church in my life, mm. ever. So I turned the old truck, and I drove to Edgemore. And I got there, and I walked in, and, you know, it's a country church and uh, Baptist, Harmony Baptist Church. Mm. And preachers, when I go in, the preacher is already up, and he has a white-haired gentleman on stage. And I sit down, and, you know, and I'm, sitting there kind of about middle of the 
middle of the congregation. Because the Baptists, they don't all race to the front. That's right. Yeah. They sit toward the back. Not back like New back? River. Yeah, I was so, a non-denominational No, so, so anyway. So I'm sitting there, and, and the pastor introduces this fellow. And his name's Bob Freeland. He's a retired minister from Taylor, South Carolina. Uh, this is 1980, 1990, maybe. 89 or 90. 90. 1990. Hugo's already been. So it's 90. So he's telling the church, you know, I, they're going to build a building in Brazil. We're putting together a mission trip, and we're building a building in Brazil, and he tells them all about, mm -hmm. you know, the building that they had built prior, and they're starting a new building, and, you know, he appreciated their prayers and their support through the Southern Baptist ministry. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end, he said, we have everyone, we need to go on this trip. Thank you for your prayers. But one person, he said, we need somebody to go with us. If you that, say concrete, that knows how to pour concrete. <laughs> and, um, I, oh, my God. The last you. question on here, are there any other miracles in your life that you're praising God uh -huh. for? That's that's incredible. Oh so when he, when he said that, chills. the hair came up on my arm yeah. and my back. Yeah, like right now. Yeah, same. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. I don't even remember what the preacher said. I don't remember the sermon, unlike Ryan's. <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, I don't remember what he said. And I was sitting there, church is over, you know, they sing the song. And I hadn't stood up. Everybody stood up and sang. I'm sitting there. I'm I'm sure I'm trembling. You're shook. I mean, I'm by myself. Shook. <laughs> and I'm sitting next to the aisle in the, in the pew. So Freeland, he, you know, church is over and everybody's walking out and I'm kind of the last to leave because the rows are filling out. And he's walking by, and I just I reach up, and I get him, touch him on the arm. And I said, Pastor Freeland, I told him, I said, my name's Jeff Rogers. And he said, how are you, Mr. Rogers? Good to meet you. Thank you for coming. I said, I need you to sit down because I couldn't stand up. I mean, oh I, I couldn't. Hey, Jeff, so straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need you to sit down he, right now. Yeah, so he sat down. And uh, I said, Pastor, I think I'm supposed to be here today. I said, I'm a visitor at this church. I've never been here in my life. I recently lost my business, my family, everything I have. I said, but somebody sent me here today to talk to you. I said, I'm the guy that I feel like is supposed to go with you to pour concrete in Brazil. And he was mm, shooketh. Of, he was shook a little bit, too. <laughs> So we talked, and we, you know, we had, we had talked back then. There wasn't email, mm -hmm. and um, we talked by phone, and and I knew that the trip was coming up, and and I mean, and I had zero money. I mean, I was watching where I drove. I had no mm -hmm. money. Yeah. And um, I had met some, you know, businessmen, and uh, had gone on a trip with with some guys, and anyway, the some of the business community found out what was going on. An equipment rental company. Um, a plumbing supply company, a concrete company. And within three weeks, they walked up to me and handed me the money for the ticket and the trip. Mm -hmm. And I, at the end, I'd, I'd started my little company back, and I was like, well, I don't know if I can go and take all this time off. I'm just, and then for whatever reason, I said, I, I'm, I'm in. Mm -hmm. I'm gone. And then so we uh, we all left with a team of volunteers from around, around the southeast, most of them from Taylorsville, a lot of retired folks, good, good people, good, good people. And we went, we flew to Rio de Janeiro, and then we went to Masia. And we have a young man in our church today that's from right near there, very familiar with where we were mm -hmm. at. So we got there, and um, we anyway. Long story short, we you know we we started and we built the building. And awesome. um, during that time, you know we would I would attend revivals and you know attend church service and um, and just watch. And the children just blew mm -hmm. me away. Mm -hmm. They they just they were so happy and so just loving. And I mean, these people had nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean. We had a concrete plant that was in an industrial part. Masio's probably, back then, it was 200,000 people. I mean, it's a pretty good-sized mm -hmm. city. It wasn't as big as Sao Paulo, but it was it was pretty good-sized city. 
And we had a concrete plant in an industrial park on the outside of town. And we were over there one day discussing with, through our interpreter, um, what we were going to be doing. And we, we, you know, they don't understand mixed designs like in American terminology. And we were going through some things with them. And so they're right the backside. We were looking, walked down so we could look at their aggregate bins where they stored their rock and sand and all this. And it was next to the dump for the city. Mm. And the dump is just, it's like a ravine with two big walls, probably 100 foot deep. And, and this thing was seven or 800 feet long. I mean, almost as far as you could see, just trash, just yeah. mountains of trash. So I'm standing there and I'm pointing at the rock and we're, we're doing different stuff. And I see little things moving out in this dump. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's a dog. And I start looking. And um, it's children. And as I start to look, you could see they were coming out. It was like holes in the walls of this dump, mm-hmm. like little caves. And I'm standing there and, you know, two or three are out and then 10 are out. It's, it's 7 30, 8 o'clock in the morning. Within 30 minutes, there's probably 50 kids mm. running about through this dump. And so I asked the interpreter work for the government. They don't, you know, they don't like to talk to you very much about stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm asking him, so what is it? And he said, oh, you know, it's just, it's the dump. They play, they, you know, he starts telling us all this, and I'm watching, I'm watching. And then we get back. And I go, I'm back at the plant, and one of the guys speaks pretty good English. And I, I cannot remember his name. I think it was Carlos. But in, in, anyway, we started talking one day, and I said, Carlos, I said, what is up with the kids in the dump? He said, that's where they live. I said, they live? He said, yeah. Those holes, their families had carved out a hole back in these mountains of trash. And that's their home. And those kids went out every day to search through that garbage dump mm. and pick out food for their family and themselves and went back in those holes. That's the same kids that would come to the revival that we were doing wow. and wow. close their eyes and love Jesus and sing every word to every song mm. every night. Mm. At that point, I knew. And, and I had to go, I was so hard-headed, I had to go around the world. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, would, I had kind of gotten on a pity pot. You know, oh, I lost this, and I lost that. And that's, that was the devil creeping back in of feel sorry for yourself and maybe have a drink right. and it'll be better. Right. Or, yeah. But by then, God had shown me these children living in a dump to show me that you have hope. Mm. These little fellows had no hope, and they loved the Lord. And they still love him. And they didn't even have hope, not alone, alone food, shelter, somebody that loves them, a roof over their head, medical attention. There's none. Mm. But they, I had hope, and I knew at that point, as long as I had hope, I had everything else that I needed. Mm. And I knew at that point that it wasn't me that had done all these things. And it wasn't, it wasn't me that was responsible for me being 8,000 miles away from home and seeing all this. I knew at that point that there was something bigger and better and stronger than, mm. than me and my little self. Hmm. Jeff. Bro, that is. Thank you for sharing all of that. I don't want to, um, every part of that is so big. No, man. Um, and I want to share this too. Um, we'll kind of, we'll kind of wrap up. I mean, we could honestly, we might need to give Jeff his own podcast and just stories <laughs> with Jeff. But I just love, um, I love what the Lord has done in your life. I love that we get to serve and do church together now. I think of you know yeah. all the churches that you mentioned that you've been to, and the fact that you're here now, and the way that you serve New River is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you and your wife, um, we just love Laura so much, and um, so I want to thank you for that. And I just, I do want to. I want to wrap it up here because this is um, even you right now, and I want to encourage people. 
who are listening because um, you may think, man, like I would never have the guts to share my story. My story's too dark. It's got too much junk in it. There are people who knew me back. I'm going to say things and people who knew me back then didn't even know I was dealing with this. Like wow. there's those things. And so it may look simple and I hope you don't mind if I share this, Jeff, but no, it, to go to, um, I'll share this brief story. I know that it was a, it was a little bit of back and forth for you and even sharing right oh, now. Yeah. It is oh, yeah. a lot to dig back into things that were really dark. Um, things where, you know, at the time you felt no hope. And, um, there was one day, uh, I think we had set on everything. Everybody was good. We were like ready to roll. And then I got a stomach bug mm. and then I get a text from Alex he said, hey, I think, you know, I think Jeff's thinking that he, he's not going to want to do it. And originally, I think if I had been at 100% health, I would have sprung into, because it is my nature to be like, if Jeff's not comfortable, we're mo- like, I don't want him, I don't want anybody to ever feel uncomfortable. I'm not going to force anybody to do anything. So if I had been like at 100% health, I think I would have been like, okay, no problem, Jeff. We love you. Let's just see if there's another story that we can touch on or we just don't fill that week with something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I was so sick. <laughs> I was like the worst yeah. stomach bug I've ever had in my life. And I woke up to that text from Alex. And I was like, all right, Lord, you just got to figure this out. Like, I don't have the energy or time. By the time I talked to Alex, the next time he said, <laughs> Jeff is in. And I understand there was a sweet time. Um, I want to say a sweet time, but um, Laura has the fire. I just love her so much. And so I think um, you guys had a conversation and I think she had pointed out some scripture to you, encouraged you and just uh, honestly by a move of the Holy Spirit and the beauty of what marriage is supposed to do. And that is to be encouraged and to sharpen one another and spur one another on. She was Um, encouraging. Yeah. You know, the one thing that, that she pointed out is, is, you know, you, if everything that you went through can keep someone else from that mm. pain, that's yes. what it's all about. It's Beautiful. I couldn't any longer be selfish to not share mm-hmm. because if, if there's a child that's been abused or has an parent that's abusing them or if there's a teenager that's into drugs and going down the wrong path and they know it or if there's a workaholic young man that's sacrificing everything in his family mm-hmm. prompting himself up telling him himself he's doing good and not giving glory to the Lord I want them to hear my story to save them from that because in the end it is the glory of the Lord it has nothing to do with us mm-hmm. and and sometimes some of us have to get whacked a little harder than the other <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're going to get whacked yeah. Yeah. oh mean, it's true it's, it's just, um, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it was wow. some back and forth, but I, I thank you too. I, oh, thank you, man. I love Alex. Mm-hmm. I love you, man. I will say to add on to that story, um, it's, I, I love how significant moments in your life just, it's just almost like picture memory. And I was, I was at JT, Boba T, and Ticket K when you called me and you're telling me that you didn't want to, you know, and, uh, it was something in my heart and my wife was with me and I was like, I don't know, man. I'm just wanna give him some time. Yeah. I'm gonna give him some time. And I prayed for you right then and there. Like oh, thank you. And um hours later in bed, he sent me a text like, Can we talk? <laughs> <laughs> well you my wife and then, was, you know, and, and I had the biggest smile mm-hmm. because I knew the Lord was just doing something. He was working something, you know, and uh and that's the that's the whole idea, like to me, of the gospel is there is nothing we can do. How far that the Lord doesn't want to rescue us from, mm-hmm. you know? You know, and and it, and, it, and it goes back to earlier when when we were talking and sharing a little bit, and and it's just like a parent, yeah. you know, you never give up on your child, mm-hmm. but you do get to the point of tough love and like, okay, I'm not cleaning your room anymore. I'm not doing this for you Mm -hmm. anymore you have to do on your own Mm -hmm. and it's the same with god Mm -hmm. he will you will reach a point that you can't push him any further and then it's Mm. at that pinnacle point you're either going after him or you're you're going to face a life in hell Mm. or you're going to you're going to live in the torment you know that that yeah you're going to you're going to reap from the decisions that you continue to make that's right you know and And as a parent you know if if there are parents that and you know, we all have children that 
don't get up and go to church with us and don't do this and don't do that. Never quit being an example. Mm. Because well, if it wasn't for a little four foot nine mountain woman that did, gave me an example until I was nine years old, wow. I wouldn't sit here today. I wouldn't have oh known God. God. So can yeah. I, all right, I want to say one more thing. Please. Um, you just said something so profound and clever. You had this four foot nine clever woman of God, you know, who's prayed for you. You had um, the pastor that you met, um, the cowboy pastor that you mm-hmm. mentioned that really, to me, just uh, like fathered you into, you know, discipleship. And then you continue to like grow up and have crit- critical people that like made a significant impact in your life, yeah. even like that in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to me, it's like, these are the things in, in our lives as Christians that we need in our life. Like the power of prayer never goes in vain. No, You know, the power no. of discipleship never goes in vain. Mm-hmm. The beauty of a mother and a father, whether it's spiritual or biological or adoptive, mm-hmm. that never goes in vain. Yeah. And you see the fruit of this and the legacies that, you know, we're, we're putting out. And I think that's the beauty of, like, our purpose mm-hmm. is, like, do not let these things go, like, you know, forsaken or numb. You know, mm-hmm. these are profound things that we need to pay attention to. Yeah. Absolutely. So I love those. About, like, that's the stuff I'm collecting from your story. I'm yeah. like, man, we have to be present. We have to be so spirit-led. And, you know, like, and um, I just love that. Yeah. You have to be cognizant of the fact all the time that the devil will make it seem like it doesn't matter to someone else what you do. Wow. And you have yeah. to tell yourself that that's not mm. the case. Sometimes they may be... It, you know, they may not acknowledge what you do for them, mm-hmm. but deep in their heart, they know and they appreciate it, and it helps them go another day. Mm-hmm. Wow. But the devil will always be there to go, oh, don't pray for him. Mm-hmm. They don't ever thank you for that prayer. It doesn't do any good. Look at what they're still doing. Don't don't worry about it. Wow. No. You pray for that person. That was a, you, you continue on. Yes. No man. matter what. That was well, a good line right there. If somebody had quit praying for me, I'd be dead. Yeah. Wow. It's but for the grace of God, I'm not dead now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And uh, it's you know it, it's all through the power of prayer and and a, and a Savior that loves us, mm-hmm. even when we don't love Him, mm-hmm. and um, He's there for us. That's the love of Christ. That's yeah. the, that is what I love about your story. I mean, like you mentioned, <clears throat> chased, wandered, found yourself at the bottom, and uh, the Lord only redeemed only. you, drew you. And there I, wasn't one of those good time buddies. Yep. At the top of that pond with me. Mm-hmm. Ever. Never. Yep. Not I love how you said too. You saw Je- basically saw Jesus in quotes sitting on that sitting on that bank. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. Yep. And now uh the Lord's using you in incredible ways, not only at this church and this community, you know, and your family. That that's the miracle mm-hmm. that there is always redemption if um if yep. you follow the call of the Lord, but mm-hmm. put the work into it too. Mm-hmm. So if he can redeem me, he can redeem anyone. Mm. Mm. Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you thank for you sharing God. your story. Um, this whole experience is so, I mean, it's been super powerful, and um, we love sharing this time with you. So thank you for being well, so and, willing. And working with you guys is just such a blessing, mm-hmm. all of you. It, it just does me so good to watch how how sharing in the Word and how believing and how loving and how talented and how much you bring to this church. Mm-hmm. It does my heart good, wow. all of you. Wow. All of you. Well, we thank you, man. Yeah, we thank feel the you. same about you, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, guys, uh, just keep joining us every Thursday for these House of Miracles podcasts. We'll continue to unpack these stories of the miracles of God. Um, and no. I feel strengthened and encouraged today. And yeah. so no. um, I hope that whoever's listening feels the same way. Um, wow. That spoke to a lot of different areas and facets of life. A lot It spoke to a lot of different sins that people might be literally wrapped up in right now. And I hope that... Um, they experienced the freedom and love and forgiveness and restoration of the Lord. Um, that was heavy. I want to, you mentioned it in the beginning, you know, we, we sometimes focus on all the negative and, and we mm-hmm. neglect the positive. The whole point of this heaviness of this podcast is to, yes, put that out there, but it's not the, not the junk. It's the, it's the redemption. It's, yeah. the, it's where you're at now, not where you were. So no. like you just Absolutely. said, Sally, if you're struggling with any of that, no. hey, we're here. We'd love to have a conversation with mm-hmm. you. Email us, call us if you're not uh, in town, but Hey, we got your back. We'd love to pray for you. Absolutely. If we can, if we can. One more thing. I would say we we want a culture here that believes all things are possible. Absolutely. Like, that is what the miraculous is. Absolutely. So hear these stories and believe in that. Well, I feel like I keep having to say things. It's just too good. When you were sharing your story, Jeff, I, I think about, like, we get to look at it now and we say, man, look what God did. 
we have to think about the people in our lives right now that we're mm -hmm. rolling our eyes at. Why is he still doing that? Why is he still mm -hmm. caught up in that? Why is he still driving that way? You know, like, oh, yeah. why is he still drinking so much? Or why is she still doing this? We we have to remember we could be the part in somebody's miracle story wow. that actually had mm -hmm. grace, that had the eye, the spiritual eyes to wow. see this is deeper and that there is there is grace and restoration for this person and we get to speak that into somebody's life. We can't just continue to you know write people mm -hmm. off we have to be the church yes. and do what we're supposed to do sometimes the only thing you can be is an example mm -hmm. and you just have sometimes you have to accept that yeah but you can be an example yeah and and satan will constantly tell you that you cannot reach out to someone for help because it either makes you weak or they absolutely don't yeah. care mm -hmm. and he will convince you of that yeah and it's Totally not the case. Yeah. Not the case. I never found one person when I actually wanted help that wasn't put in my life. Wow. From from a preacher that I'd never met in my mm -hmm. life that I followed 8,000 miles away to mm -hmm. the business community that helped me go when I was absolutely broke. Yeah. To the people that kept my little fledgling business going until I got back. Yeah. To the people that joined with us, you know, just through that trip. I don't know how many mission trips we, as a company we have sponsored over the last wow. 25 years. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I can't tell you. Wow, that's cool. But Amazing. that's, we turn around and hopefully they will do the same. Yeah. And uh, it's, yeah, but there's there's always that help or that prayer around you. Just, you just ask for it. Yeah. Because the devil will make you believe it's not available. Mm -hmm. So to wrap that up, if you're stuck in something, reach out for help. Um, if you are part of the body of Christ, be the body of Christ. Mm. And if you have a story, don't be too scared or embarrassed or ashamed to share what the Lord has done in your life because that that's the point of everything. So, What's our thing? Newriver.church slash miracles. Slash stories. Slash Newriver.church slash stories if you want to share your story or, of course, stop by the box and get a nice little photo. All right. We'll see you guys next week yep. on the the uh, Overflow Podcast, House of Miracles edition. Overflow Podcast. Uh, Overflow Podcast. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Jeff. We yes. love you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this House of Miracles conversation. This series is happening all summer and we're sharing stories of the miracle working power of God from people right here within our New River family. If you have a story of a miracle that God has worked in your life, we want to hear it. Go to newriver.church forward slash stories to submit yours today. We love you, New River. We'll talk to you next week on the Overflow Podcast.